Chapter Eighteen of Her Benny by Silas Hawking. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lorraine Paquette. Chapter Eighteen Adrift. A fathomless sea is rolling o'er the wreck of the bravest bark, and my pain muffed heart is tolling its dumb peal down in the dark. The waves of a mighty sorrow have whelmed the pearl of my life, and there cometh to me no morrow to solace this desolate strife. Gone are the last faint flashes, set is the sun of my years, and over a few poor ashes I sit in my darkness and tears. Gerald Massey had any of our readers been passing in front of st george's hall during the afternoon of the day on which benny was acquitted they might have seen our hero sitting on one of the many steps with his face buried in his hands and his elbows resting on his knees hour after hour he sat unmolested for perks was no longer at liberty to tease him and the police did not notice him benny was utterly unconscious of the flight of time for he was trying to decide upon some course of action by which he could honestly earn his daily bread he felt that he was beginning life again and beginning it under tremendous disadvantages he knew that there was a great deal of truth in what perks had said to him all who know him would mistrust him and even should he succeed in getting employment under those who did not know him they might soon get to know and then he would be dismissed he was getting too big to be a match boy he did not understand blacking shoes and yet to remain idle meant starvation i'm worse nor a chap buried he said to himself thrusting his hands into his trousers pockets and staring around him i've heerd of chaps beginnin at the bottom but lor a massy i'm beginnin further down than that by a long chalk i'm six feet underground and i'll ave to bore a hole up into the daylight or die i specs as the afternoon wore away he became conscious of a feeling of hunger fortunately he had sufficient money to keep him from starving for a day or two he counted over the coins very carefully and laid aside eighteen pence as being due to granny and which he resolved should be paid i'll begin honest he said to himself and i'll keep on at it too or go to heaven to little nell so after purchasing two sheets of paper and two envelopes he made his way to a small eating-house and ordered some bread and cheese he was not long in devouring his very simple meal and then with a lead pencil commenced his first attempt at letter-writing the first letter contained only a few words of warning to jerry starcher the second letter was longer and was addressed to granny this letter cost benny a tremendous effort for fearing that granny would not be able to read writing he had to use his own words to print it and he found it to be a rather slow process the letter was to the following effect dear granny i can never come ome no more you's heerd what's took place but i never stole the money i is honest for sure i don't know what i'll do or where i'll go but i mean to be honest or die 
I wish I were dead. I is very, very, very obliged for all you's done for me and little Nell. Tell Joe I is obliged to him too. Perhaps I'll never see ye no more. Perhaps I'll go to little Nell soon. I ope I may. I's very lonely. I put with this the money I owes. Good night, Benny. More than one scalding tear fell upon the letter while he wrote, for the tears would come despite his efforts to keep them back. Life seemed to him such an utter desolation, and hope had almost died out of his heart. When he had carefully folded and sealed the letters, he went out again on the steps in the shadow of the great hall and waited for the darkness. All around him, the people hurried to and fro but had he been in the heart of africa he could not have felt more utterly forsaken and alone when at length the darkness crept over the busy town he hurried away to tempest court passing jerry's starchers and pushing the letter under his door on the way his heart beat very fast when he reached granny's door he was strongly tempted to knock for admittance for something told him that granny would not turn him away but he struggled against the feeling welcome as would have been his little bed under the stairs and glad as he would have been for a hiding-place from the world's scorn yet he felt he would rather not see granny and joe again while this stain darkened his name within the cottage silence and darkness reigned for granny had retired early to rest not without a prayer though that the boy she was learning to love might see the error of his ways truly repent of his sin and lead a new life for joe had told her what had befallen benny and furthermore had extracted from her the promise that if he should ever seek again the shelter of her home for his little sister's sake and for the sake of the saviour she would not turn him away but would help him to begin a better life Betty listened for a while at the keyhole, then cautiously pushing the letter under the door, he hurried away into the darkness. He had no idea where he would spend the night, nor did he concern himself about the direction he was taking. He only felt that he must go somewhere. So on he went in a northerly direction, passing street after street, till footsore and weary, he stumbled into a dark corner where he thought nobody would notice him, and soon fell fast asleep. Why could not the policeman, who passed half an hour later and spied the little crouching figure, have permitted the child to sleep on? He was doing no harm, and the policeman might have known that had the boy a home to go to, he would not have been found sleeping in the street. I suppose he thought nothing about the matter, for he seized Benny by the collar and lifted him off the ground, and after shaking him as a terrier might shake a rat, he ordered him to move on, giving emphasis to his words by a cruel kick, which made Benny grind his teeth with pain and hurry limping down the street. He had not gone far before a clock near him began to strike slowly the hour of midnight. At the first stroke of the bell Benny started, and looked carefully around him 
Clang! went the second stroke. It must be the same, he muttered to himself. The third stroke made him certain. He was near Adler's Hall without knowing it. The tone of the church clock was as familiar to him as the voice of his father. Scores of times during the years of his childhood he had listened to that clang, waking up the midnight silence when all the others were asleep. I wonder if father's come home yet, he said to himself. I'll go and see anyhow. Bowker's row was as silent as the grave, and as usual wrapped in darkness. But the darkness was no difficulty to Benny, as he made his way cautiously up the dingy street and into the dingier court that was once his home. It seemed very strange to him that he should be there alone in the silent night, and that Nelly should be alone in her little grave miles away from where he stood. What a lot had been crowded into his lonely life since last he stood in Adler's Hall, holding his little sister by the hand. And he wondered if ever Nelly left her beautiful home in the sky to pay a visit to the dreary haunts of her childhood. Before him the door of his old home stood open. The night was not so dark, but he could see that and he could see also that the place wore even a more forsaken appearance than in former days. Pausing for a moment on the threshold, he plunged into the darkness, then stood still in the middle of the room and listened, but no sound of breathing or noise of any kind broke the oppressive stillness. He soon discovered also that the house was destitute of furniture. A few shavings under the stairs alone remained. The bobbies'll not find me ear, I reckon, he said to himself, though Nelly may. And he stretched himself on the shavings in the corner where he and his little sister used to sleep in the days that had gone for ever. It seemed so strange to be there again and to be there in sorrow and disgrace, and once or twice he stretched out his hand in the darkness as if expecting to find his little sister by his side. Then, as the memory of his loss and the loneliness of his life crept over him, he gave vent to his feelings in a flood of tears. By and by he grew calm, and soon after fell asleep. And in happy dreams in which he wandered with Nelly through East Ham woods, he forgot all his trouble and care. When he awoke the next morning, the court was alive and stirring, and Bowker's row was crowded with ill-fed, ragged, and dirty children. Some were doing their best to climb the lamp-posts. Some were practicing cartwheel revolutions. Some were squatted idly on the pavement, and others were playing with the refuse in the street. On Benny making his appearance, he was greeted with a shout and a howl that made the street echo again and summoned the elders to the doorways to see what had happened. It was very evident that the older children had recognized him, while many a familiar face appeared at door and window. This, Benny thought, was very unfortunate, for he was in no mood to be questioned or to brook delay. So he darted down the street as if on a race for life, knocking over several of the older lads who tried to check his progress. For some distance he was followed by a whole tribe of noisy urchins who shouted at the top of their voices, but Benny was too fleet-footed for them, and soon Bowker's Row and its noisy denizens were left far behind. 
Benny's first thought now was to secure a substantial breakfast, which was by no means a difficult matter. That done, he made his way toward the docks, in the hope that he might get employment of some kind. But to a little friendless lad without character or recommendation, employment was not so easily obtained. Most of those whom he addressed did not condescend to notice his question in any way. A few asked him what he could do, and when he replied, anything, the invariable answer was, that means nothing, and he was sent about his business. In fact, there seemed to be no work in the whole line of docks that a child of his age was capable of doing. And night found him worn out with fatigue and with a sadly lightened pocket. However, he kept up his heart as well as he could, and sought rest and sleep in a damp cellar upon some dirty straw, which, for the payment of two pence, he shared with a dozen other lads, who appeared to be as friendless as himself. That night he slept the sleep of the innocent and weary, and awoke next morning strengthened and refreshed, to find that all his companions had left, and that his pockets were empty. This was a terrible blow to Benny, but when he discovered that his lucky shilling was still safe in the lining of his waistcoat, he dried his tears and went bravely out, hungry as he was, to battle with an unfriendly world. Before sunset, however, he had nearly lost heart, for he had been unable to earn a single penny, and he was almost faint with hunger. So in sheer desperation he sought his old place on the landing stage, in the hope that he might have the chance of carrying someone's portmanteau, and in that way earn his supper. But everyone to whom he offered his services repulsed him, and for the first time he wondered whether it would be wrong to throw himself into the river, and whether that would not be the easiest way out of his trouble. Somehow he could not help thinking that it would be less wicked for him to do that than to steal. He could not starve. Drowning, he was sure, would be a much less painful death, and as far as he could see, it had really come to this, that he must either steal or die. But he would not steal. He had made up his mind to that. Had he not promised Nelly that he would be honest? And had not Joe and Granny and his Sunday school teacher told him what a wicked thing it was to be a thief? No, he had settled that matter, and when he had settled a thing in his own mind, he was not to be moved. The question then was, what was the easiest kind of death? The river looked beautiful this summer evening, and he thought it must be very nice to rest beneath its cool, sparkling waters after the hot glare of the streets. Should he plunge in now, or should he wait a little longer? He had been without food for twenty-four hours. He had no place to sleep, no means of getting supper. Then suddenly he remembered his lucky shilling. Queer, he mused. The Lord sent his angel with this bob, and I've never wanted it till now. And now I does want it, I've got it. I'm floored again. Nelly said the Lord would provide, and he do. And he took out the bright shilling and looked at it fondly. Just then he heard a countryman inquiring the way to Lime Street Station of a man who stood near him. Here's a chance, he thought, and stepping forward he said, I'll show you the way, sir, if your lights. 
dost thou know the way thyself lad inquired the man i should think i do said benny drawing himself up to his full height lead the way then said the farmer and benny trotted on before him feeling sure that he was safe now for a good supper without spending his shilling thank ye said the farmer on their arrival at the station thee'rt a sharp lad and no mistake and he smiled benevolently and hurried away to the booking office leaving our hero staring after him in utter bewilderment benny felt that he would have liked to have had his revenge on that man then and there golly he said don't i feel savage just just then a gentleman pushed against him carrying a bulky leathern bag carry your bag sir said benny in an instant and without a word the bag was hoisted on his shoulder and once more benny was on the trot by the time he had reached the top of brownlow hill he was almost exhausted and without a word the man gentleman i suppose he thought himself took the bag from his shoulder and handed him a penny in payment for his services when will men and professedly christian men learn the great though simple lesson to do unto others as they would that others should do unto them a benevolent baker moved to pity by the sight of benny's suffering face gave him a twopenny loaf for his penny with a smile and a kindly word into the bargain and benny went out into the darkening street with a lighter heart than he had felt for the day the evening was oppressively warm and having no inclination to go back again into the dingy town where policemen were plentiful benny made his way in an easterly direction hoping that he might find a dark corner somewhere where he might sleep undisturbed after a while he found himself in the neighbourhood of the cemetery where nelly was buried he was not superstitious so without a moment's hesitation he climbed over the wall and getting dark as it was he easily found his sister's grave and stretching himself on the damp grass with his head upon the little mound under which his nelly slept in peace he tried to think to form some plan for the future above him twinkled the silent stars around him slept the silent dead everything was silent not a leaf stirred not even a blade of grass and yielding to the silent influence of the hour he fell asleep though not before he had resolved that he would return to his old haunts no more but would commence his new life as far away from liverpool as he could possibly get next morning he was up with the lark and kissing the sod above his sister's face he hurried away at noon liverpool was several miles behind him and before him what under the shadow of a tree by the roadside he rested for an hour during the heat of the day and in a clear stream that babbled by he slaked his thirst and washed the dust from his hands and face then hurried on again the country looked very beautiful bathed in the summer's sunshine but he was in no mood to enjoy it the birds sang their glad songs in the trees but to him they seemed only to mock his sorrow in the fields he saw the sleek cattle grazing as he passed or lying in the sunshine contentedly chewing their cud while he was footsore hungry and sad and he wondered what the end of it all would be 
as the afternoon wore away he found himself hedged in with plantations on every side and not a single human habitation in sight for a while he dragged himself along with fast failing courage and strength then he gave up in despair it's no go he said i can go no further his feet were hot and blistered with his long tramp over the hard and dusty road his head ached from the fierce heat that had been beating down on him all day his strength was all but gone for he had tasted no food since the previous evening i don't know how the lord's going to do it he said the tears starting in his eyes nelly said as how the lord had provide and so did the angel that gived me the bob but i do na see how i wonder if he's going to take me to heaven perhaps that's the way he's going to do it and then i'll never be hungry no more climbing on a gate he looked around him but no house was anywhere visible it's all up i reckon he said sadly getting down on the inside and making his way through the tangled underbrush into the heart of the plantation i'll find a snug place here somewheres where i can wait till the lord comes i wonder if he'll be long he had not gone far before he found a place that suited him a luxuriant patch of ferns growing out of a carpet of moss bordered on every side with tall brushwood while overhead giant fir-trees sighed and moaned in the evening breeze made a perfect arbour of quiet and repose pressing down the yielding ferns he had soon a bed soft as he could desire while a mossy bank made a pillow grateful as a kiss of love to his aching head and burning cheek i'll be comfortable ere till the lord comes he said stretching out his weary limbs i wonder if he'll bring nelly with him then he closed his eyes and waited above him the fir branches swayed gently in the soft evening breeze and from far away came the subdued plash of falling water it was very strange and solemn but soothing and restful withal the pangs of hunger abated too after he had rested a while and his head ceased to ache while the wind in the trees sounded like an evening lullaby and brought back to him a vague and misty recollection of his mother rocking him to sleep on her lap in the years long long ago then the music seemed to come from farther and farther away till it ceased altogether and once more benny slept and there in the solemn wood we will leave him for a while to the mercy and care that are infinite End of chapter 18